Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Have You Seen That with T. This is episode 17. One seven. Um, so let's get right into it. This is an episode. Um, great week of movie watching. Great week of movie watching. I, I got to catch up on some a few series. Um, watch some great flicks in the theater. I'm going to see some great flicks in the theater uh, upcoming um, tomorrow. Uh, but just a great week of movie watching. Uh, began the week watching the movie Windfall. Uh, it's a new Netflix movie. It's been out maybe two or three weeks. Um, and it kind of escaped me. And I finally got around to checking it out. I saw it stars Jesse Plemons, Lily Collins, and... Um, uh, Jason Siegel from 40 Old Virgin, uh, Jay, uh, what is it? Um, man, he, he Marshall and, and How I Met Your Mother. Uh, he's one of those bit players in a lot of, uh, the Judd Apatow movies. Um, but this movie is a little different in it. And you can tell right when the credits roll, you know, what kind of movie people are trying to make. And this is kind of a throwback to the, you know, 70s, 60s uh, thriller type movies. It had that vibe. The music was like that, um, you know, wind, wind, windward instrument type thing where, where they were really trying to go into those 70s pulp movies, um, trying to create that type of atmosphere. Um, and it's a movie about a home break-in. You know, Jason Siegel's is like squatting at this rich guy's house and the rich guy and his wife show back up and right as he's about to leave, the wife walks in the room and catches him. So then he in turn holds them hostage. <laughs> and uh, it starts out very innocently. Like he's like, hey, you know, how much money you got? Guy gives him like $5,000 in cash, what he has in his house. Um, and... The guy, he's like, hey, we don't have any, you know, audio, uh, video surveillance equipment. Just take the money and leave. We're not, we're going to forget that you were here. And as Jason Siegel's leaving, he gets in his car and he looks up in a tree and there's a video camera. So then he goes back and, of course, hilarity and calamity ensues. This is not a funny movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it is. Uh, I don't think it takes itself too seriously. At least I didn't take it too seriously because of the people playing in the movie. Uh, Jesse Plemons and, and Jason Siegel are kind of, you know, renowned comedy actors. They they usually uh, play the secondary role in a lot of movies, uh, or they play the, you know the comic foil in a lot of these movies. And in both in this movie, they were both trying to play, you know, the straight guy. Um, and Jesse Plemons was a tech, you know, guru who's made millions. Um, and, and you know, as the, the plot thickens, as Jason Segel's like, hey, you guys have seen my face. Um, you know, now I need to disappear. So he, they, he concocts a plan um, to, like, extort this guy for, I want to say, half a million dollars so he can then, you know, leave the country. And Jesse Plemons' character is, you know, a tech mogul who plays the very smug American that, you know, the smug American archetype uh, that people think all rich people are, you know, self-centered, 
uh, self-deprecating, self-loathing, and, you know, just this, this, you know, ideal of a person. And he plays that to a T because everything he does is just a straight-up asshole move. Like, everybody he talks to, he talks down to him, and it's like, you know, I'm better than you because I made it and you didn't. And as the movie goes along, you know, it's, it's three-piece ensemble. You know, Lily Collins, Collins plays his wife, who, you know, is not happy in the relationship. You know, she doesn't feel seen. Uh, and that plays a big part into the plot moving forward as, you know, Jason Segel is just a guy who made some bad decisions. Um, and, you know, those decisions kept, catch up with him when he gets caught in his house and he has no idea how to hold anybody hostage. He has no idea what he's doing because he didn't plan on doing this. It was just kind of a, this happened. I don't want my life to re be ruined. Um, and it's kind of an extreme, you know, it's an extreme and, and it could almost happen to anybody. Uh, the things that happen in this movie and it just, you know, builds up to the crescendo, which of course I won't spoil. Um, but Everybody gets what they deserve at the end of this movie. That's what I will say. Everyone's looking for something, and everybody kind of gets what they deserve at the end of this movie. And, you know, it was a solid movie. I would say if you haven't seen it, uh, Windfall on Netflix, it's a, it's a good movie to watch. <clears throat> and, of course, it's always a good character study on, you know, classism, that, that dynamic between the have and the have-nots. Uh, and the dynamic between husband and wife, you know, um, how people of affluence look at people who may not have the same affluence within their household. You know, it could be children. It could be husband and wife. Uh, and, and I see a lot of that in movies and I see a lot of in real, see that play out in real life as well. But it's a pretty good movie. Uh, everyone in the movie really um you know, play their role well, which is once again, you know, not neither none of these actors, uh, to include Lily Collins, who I know her from playing in like romantic comedies, like you know, upbeat romantic comedies. Um, so you know, everybody kind of stepped out of their lane to make this movie, and it, and it came off really well. It was a really well, you know, well shot, well done movie. Um, that you know, if you have time, catch it. You know, you won't you won't be upset that you watched it. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, moving on, I then in turn watched a movie that was not such a great movie. All of the same, you know, classism have and have nots played out in this movie as well. Uh, this movie is called The Bubble on Netflix, and this is one of the worst. This would definitely be one of you know top five, top ten worst movies of 2022. Uh, because it's so pretentious and it's, you know, the nature of the movie. And, and I spoke about Judd Apatow earlier and he's the director of this movie. I, I want to say he wrote it as well. Um, it was just a terrible movie. It, it was not it was not good. It wasn't funny. It was trying to be, you know, satirical, kind of like, you know, the whole don't look up thing. Um, and it just missed its mark. Um, it's set you know, post-pandemic is set in the pandemic. I want to say, you know, everything, everything they're saying is, I want to say this movie was made last year sometime um, or, or even year before last. Um, right when the pandemic hit, it had all of those tropes of 
you know, everything that people were doing, um, you know, when the pandemic first, you know, became official and the lockdowns first started happening. Uh, and it takes place inside of a hotel as, you know, on 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 set as these actors are trying to film, you know, this outrageous action movie that was like, you know, a sequel to the tons of action movies they've made. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't know if they were trying to spoof Jurassic Park because if they were, it was a bad job at it. But um, yeah, it just it, it pretty talented cast. Um, a lot of a lot of bit players in it. Fred Armiston, uh, Karen Gillian, uh, Keegan Michael Key. I want to say that's his name. I just know him as Key from Key and Peele. Um, and you know they play these actors who are all you know entitled pompous and and i want to say the underlying theme of it is actors are workers too and this is very true like don't get me wrong i would never you know people always say hey you know these these rich people in hollywood they get paid millions of dollars to be on movie set and a lot of time these guys are on movie sets you know 14 15 hours a day and that's tough like no matter what you're doing it doesn't matter if you're playing a role. It don't matter if you're in catering. It don't matter if you're the guy who holds the lights, you know, the guy who holds the boom mic, uh, or or the the director, the cinematographer, you know, any one of those cameramen. Like that is a it is a job. It is a, you, they get compensated well for their job, um, but it's a job just like any other job. And I, that was kind of the underlying theme of it all because you know every interview is like hey we're being held hostage here um and everybody's like you guys are rich you can't be held hostage you know you guys are working on a movie you're getting to do what you love but i mean it, it's tough it i can only imagine you know i've had days where you know you're, you're on your feet for 15 16 hours uh doing whatever it is you're doing and it gets monotonous especially when you're doing it for months on end um, and that was kind of like the running theme of this movie, but it was so poorly executed, you know, and it was so on the nose that like the message was getting just not well received because of the, the messengers and how they were delivering the message. Uh, and it was just a poorly made movie. It was like these, and I'm all for toilet humor. I'm all for, you know, lowbrow humor, but it just wasn't funny. It was like, overly sophisticated lowbrow humor that just made this movie not very funny and it missed on so many marks uh, and it could have been great but they just i mean it just it, it just it was a swing it was a big swing trying to hit like a triple and it ended up being like hit right back to the pitcher who just you know double played ended the ending it was just a terrible movie uh, that all of those actors deserve better, especially my man Fred Armiston. I'm a big Fred Armiston fan. I think he's funny in everything he does except for this movie. It's like they gave him the unfunniest roles, like the unfunniest lines, like nothing he did in this movie was anything, you know, that he's known for being quirky. Like it was just like they gave him this director's role and he was just terrible. It was a terrible role for him. Um, you know, it, it's just a terrible movie. 
Uh, and then that's all I'll say about the bubble. You know, watch it if you just want. It. It's so you know, it's it's not so bad that it's good. It's so bad that it's just still bad. Uh, and I and I, and I want people to watch it so they can understand my disdain for this movie. And if you find this movie humorous in any facet, please let me know and just tell me when, because like there was like one or two scenes where I laughed and that's scary for a movie that's almost two hours. You know, you, you got to get at least five laughs, at least even, even dramatic movie, even a Batman had, you know, five good laughs or five little quips, uh, that, that, you know, made you pop in your seat a little bit. Um, and then moving on, uh, this weekend, big weekend of film releases in the theaters, uh, three big movies came out in the movie theaters were, were every day that I went to the movie theater and I went early. Uh, I went uh, seven o'clock showing to see ambulance on, on Thursday, uh, the 1130 showing to see uh, everything everywhere all at once on Friday. And, and it was packed on Friday. Uh, and I wanted to go see Sonic 2 today, but it was like damn near all of the theaters were sold out for Sonic like the the families are going out to see this movie. This movie is about to make a ton of money. I bought some tickets to go check it out tomorrow. Didn't really want to hold the pot off, so so I just recorded anyway with what I got. Um, but Sonic Two, every review that I've that I've seen and like you know my friends on Facebook, they've all posted that the movie is really good. Um, so I, I expect to have a good time. Me and Mary are going to see that tomorrow because uh, she really enjoys Sonic One. Uh, but Thursday night, I went and saw Ambulance, and that movie was fantastic. You know, Michael Bay, he comes with the, the tinted hues as if, like, he has the strongest ND filter on every single camera uh, that he owns and every single camera that films every movie that he that he has. Every movie has a suntan, man. Like, it's so funny. Um, that's his calling card in those in those very up close shots when people are talking. Like I mean, like the in you don't even see their whole face. It's just like you know you see their eyes and their top lip. Like he he does those really well, and he does a lot of slow mo crashes, very fast cut shots of the action, and then the slow mo crashes as as these cars. I've seen car crashes, and none of them ever happen like in the movie. And I've seen some high, high speed cars car crashes and they don't happen like they happen in the movie <laughs> or maybe I haven't seen that high speed of a, of a crash to where like a car flips over um, but Michael Bay has his own style and this is one of Michael Bay's better movies um, and then this might this episode might turn into a Michael Bay you know movie list because this is a really good Michael Bay movie I enjoyed Pain and Gain too that was another that was a surprise for me uh, how good painting game was um but ambulance was fantastic this might this might be his top three movies uh maybe even his best movie uh even though he did bad boy so that's 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 a hard sell uh but this one was fantastic uh stars yah yah mateen uh abdul mateen the third uh jake gyllenhaal and isa gonzalez um uh it's another you know character piece really um the plot of this movie is very outlandish. So uh, it reminds me a little of John Q, you know, uh, the Denzel Washington vehicle where, you know, he's trying to have 
get a, get his son to get this surgery. So Yahya Abdul Mateen's wife in the movie uh, has some type of you know illness. Uh, she needs an experimental surgery, and of course you know the VA is not going to pay for it. Your health benefits not going to pay for it. too many experimental surgeries. You got to come up with that money yourself. That one says like two hundred and fifty you know stacks. So he goes to Jake Gyllenhaal, who, uh, you know, his wife says, hey, I don't want you talking to this guy. Obviously, he's a bad he's bad news. So or at noon, he goes to this kid's office to talk to him about getting this money for his wife's surgery. And he gets roped into a bank robbery, like literally like, hey, I need you to be a driver. Um, um, no. How about no? How about you go rob the bank and then you can give me this loan? Uh, because if I walk into your office at noon and you're telling me at 1230 we're about to rob a bank and I have no idea what the plan is, I'm not. I'm good. You know, and, and, and his character, uh, Yaya's character is an ex-Marine. Uh, so he has experience, but it's not bank. Well, as the plot thickens, you find out, you know, he probably did have some bank robbing experience because his adopted father uh, was like this notorious bank robber. So I'm pretty sure he taught all of them the ropes, but they don't teach you ropes enough to like walk, walk in on the stream like, hey, we about to go hit this bank. Come with us. Uh, and then, you know, you I, I got to spin you up on a plan as we're driving to the bank. Nah. Like, I mean, in no world, and I get it, it's a, they, they were brothers, they were adopted brothers. That was that was an uh, overarching theme, you know, family in this movie. Uh, you know, good versus evil, family, you know, uh, blood thickening water type thing. They weren't blood related, but they were, they were brothers. They grew up together, you know, they played together, uh, they learned together, they lived together. Um, but nah, you. I mean, like if I just walk in there asking for some money, and you say, "Hey, the only way you gonna get this money is to rob this bank in thirty minutes." I think I'm gonna take my chances elsewhere. Um, and and just the the <laughs> the coincidence of how everything went bad is just ridiculous. You know, a uh, cop was trying to. He wanted to holler at this bank teller, and his partner was like, "Yo, you got. We turning around. You got to holler at this bank teller." And that really is the the how the movie just breaks down because because of course this cop being in there just throws a monkey wrench in everything, uh, and and of course the bank plant the bank heist goes bad, and they end up in the ambulance with a cop who was shot. Um, and they're on a high speed chase. And and the one thing I really loved about this movie was how fleshed out the unit of cops were. I didn't need a backstory on on you know this captain of this elite, you know, bank robbing force. He just owned every I don't know who this actor was, um, but he owned he owned his 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 spot. His analyst owned her spot. Like they were just. It was such a. It was such a clever movie. Um, it didn't. It didn't treat it, the audience like we were all idiots. You know, it put us in the middle of it, and it all made sense. Like it's it's possible to do that in these movies without giving long backstories. You get this backstory as the as the story's going along. Uh, and it was really well done. Of course, the action was outlandish. I, I really was expecting, you know, the ambulance at some point in time to, 
you know, transform into a Decepticon or Autobot because it's Michael Bay. Uh, I still don't understand how how an ambulance was, was like beating these these souped up chargers that the LAPD has uh, and these souped up, you know, Camaros. Like, I mean, he was whipping that thing, but like there's only so much you could whip a damn ambulance. How heavy, how heavy those ambulances are. I know they got some torque in it, but man, it's only so much. Uh, that you can do with those things um and it was a well put together movie um a lot of different things happened through the movie you know and, and at the end of the movie you know you just know everybody's i assumed that everybody was gonna die i really did um the end of the movie did not disappoint me uh, I, of course, I won't give the the ending away, but it it was just it was a great lead up to it, great finish, um, and what was supposed to happen happened. Uh, great movie. It was it was really good. It was so much better than I expected it to be. I expected it to be Michael Bay mindless fun, but Michael Bay has stepped up his uh his intellect in these movies. You know, not Christopher Nolan level. It's not confusing you, uh, but you get what you want. Uh, you get some some witty dialogue. You get some action. You get some explosions. You get some heart. It had a lot of heart in it, uh, and it was just a good. It was a phenomenal movie. Um, I, I definitely, you know, highly suggest. You know, if you get the time, go check this movie out. It's a great date movie. Um, great family movie. Take your wife out. Um, you know, take your teenage kids out to have a good time at the theater. It's a great, great movie to go check out in the theater. So that this is a movie theater movie. Um, you know, Michael Bay does those, you know, better than a lot. Um, we're going to I'm going to move on to the last movie I saw this weekend. Um, and this I, I, w- I mean, it's early in the year. I've already seen some good movies um, and I'll put this up against any of them. Everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once is top three 2022's best movies, hands down. There's not there's not going to be too many better movies uh, that comes out this year. I know Doctor Strange is coming out, but I don't think Doctor Strange is going to hit every note that this movie hit. This is a movie based in the multiverse. Uh, it is a multiversal movie. It is so quirky. It is so unique. Um, I, 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 there's no real comparisons of this movie to any movie you've ever seen before. Um, it has a little bit of, it reminded me a lot of Jet Li, the one, you know, uh, the one with Jet Li, uh, you know, where um, that one was set in the multiverse where Jet Li was going around killing himself. Uh, to become all powerful, and it had it had a little bit of those elements in it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of the Eternal Mind for you know the spotless whatever uh, that that uh, Jim Carrey uh, and Kate Winslet movie, where it just had that quirkiness to it. It was unique. That movie was unique in how it was it was told as his memories were get, getting forgotten. Um, but this movie didn't have that in it. But it just it was kind of shot in that same style, if that makes any sense. Um, a lot of the Matrix, you know, uh, influence in it. Um, but then it just went off the rails. It kind of reminded me of a, a Shaolin soccer, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, the good, the bad, the weird, or something like that. Like that that uh, Asian movie that came out a few years ago was just like uh, those Stephen Chow movies where they're just so quirky and 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 weird that they work. Uh, and this movie works. Um, Michelle Yeoh and her husband, uh, who I don't know his name, um, they li- they live above their laundromat that they own and they're in this failing marriage and they have this this daughter who is a lesbian uh, and she brings her girlfriend home and the parents understand that but like her grandfather is just you know old school Asian he's just not hearing uh, you know anything about uh, any type of you know gay family member because that's just not the world he grew up in uh, he was a very rigid father and you know that dynamic plays out throughout the movie and their their taxes are, are just jacked up uh they're they're getting audited and jamie lee curtis in perhaps one of her best roles she's ever been in uh plays the auditor and they go in um to <laughs> to get audited and as they're going into the audit uh, they're going up in the elevator and her husband, uh, Michelle Yeoh's husband, turns into another person and tells her like, hey, you know, uh, you, the fate of the multiverse is in your hands. Like this nondescript, you know, middle aged, uh, above middle aged uh, Asian woman is supposed to really, you know, change the fate of the world. And from there, hilarity ensues. Uh, they get up there, and it's it's such a weird movie. Um, everything about it shouldn't work. It shouldn't be as entertaining as it is. Uh, but you have some martial arts experts. The husband reminded like I felt like this movie should have been had Jackie Chan in it. The husband reminded me a lot of. You know, Jackie Chan, I think Jackie Chan in it would have made it a bigger movie uh, with his name attached to it. But I feel like he could have played that part just per. But this husband was was phenomenal. Um, He was great. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, one of the greatest actresses, not just martial artists, not not just martial art actresses. One of the greatest actresses of this generation, the last generation, the present generation. Uh, she's fun. She is amazing. She's a great actress. Uh, she brings so much depth into this role, and the fact that she could whip all types of ass uh, just really le- lends credibility to her. You know, being the one, so to speak, uh, that can save the multiverse. Um, everything about this movie is quirky. Everything about this movie works. There is so much love and effort in this movie to make it whole, like if that makes any sense. The, the, the directors, the Daniels or Daniels, two, two men, both first name Daniel, they, I, I don't know if they put a lot of love into this movie, but I f- it felt like this was a passion project. It felt like everybody in this movie had a great time making it. It's really hard for me to explain it. I could sit here and probably for 20 minutes break down just different, the different intricacies of, of how this world worked. 
you know, that was one great thing that John Wick did was it built this universe. It built its own world within it, within our world. And this world built a multiverse within our world that was so unique and so very, uh, <coughs> so very relatable. Um, it, it just, it, everything just worked in this movie. This is, this is right now, even after seeing the Batman, the best movie of 2022. And it's going to take something fantastic um, to, to knock it out of my top spot because of the ending. Like I almost, I was almost in tears in the theater, like how it brought everything back to reality and back to sanity to finish out the movie. Um, just on, you know, talking about your life choices, how the little things that you do not only ripple uh, in your life, but it also ripples in your kid's life. Um, in the, in you know, the sins of the father, sins of the parents like that, that, you know, you're not your parent. So you have to do things a little bit differently. It, it was, it came together so well at the end. It came like it, this, I mean, top down, great acting, great cast, great script, great cinematography. I mean, this is a beautifully shot movie. Uh, it was shot kind of like a 90s movie. Like it had a lot of, uh, had a lot of influences uh, from the 90s in this movie. I could tell. And A24 has really become, uh, you know, what Miramax was in in the 90s. You know, Miramax was like that art house, uh, you know, movie movie company that was led by a megalomaniac. Uh, sex addict Harvey Weinstein uh, hopefully A24 doesn't have anybody like that you know leading their charge I don't know who's in charge up there but they're doing things right they have they have they have put together their own individual IPs that build worlds you know I, I've reviewed the movie X which wasn't the greatest movie but it was it was something unique it was something different hereditary uh, midsummer like A24 they they I call them the art house horror horror movie studio, but they they're just putting together unique movies, giving these directors, these writers, creative freedom to make these phenomenal movies that people like me uh, want to see. I want to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to I want to feel something when I walk out of these movies. And this made this movie made me feel every emotion you could probably feel. You know, anger, uh, laughter. Uh, joy, pure, like, uh, uh, innocent joy of, of, like, seeing people you want to win actually win. Um, and, you know, confusion uh, and just so much humor in this movie, so much heart is so unique. You will never, like, uh, you just, they don't make movies like this. Um, they, and the fact that this, this, team of directors were given the green light to make this movie. I really hope it makes money. I, I hope they don't do a sequel uh, because I, I don't know if there's any room for that. Um, but like I, I want I, I really wish everybody gets a chance and I'm so glad it finally came to El Paso because I, I'd read, I didn't read any reviews but I kept seeing the Metacritic score. I kept seeing IGN, you know, give it a 10. Um, 
and I saw, uh, uh, you know, it's like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, I got I to gotta see this movie because the preview I saw looked really quirky and it looked it looked fun. Uh, and and I just didn't expect it to have as much heart as it did and, and have, you know, a movie about a family, a flawed family, um, you know, with the universe at stake coming together uh, and figuring it out. Uh, and that's that's what happened. They they figured it out, and there was a lot of pain in it. There was a lot of crying amongst themselves. There was a lot of soul searching. Uh, but the way they put together the story is two hours and two minutes, and you you will be so thankful that you went and saw this movie if you get a chance to go see it. Uh, I, I can't big it up enough. Uh, kind of like I was bigging up Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, this is the new goat. This is. 2022's Ghostbusters. Uh, this is a phenomenal movie. So much heart, uh, and 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 I love like that. Being a parent, like you understand, uh, you'll understand when you watch the movie. Being a parent, being a kid, I remember being a teenager, and I remember, you know, uh, not understanding a lot of what my parents were doing. Uh, my mom, in particular, uh, it just it, it hits a lot of those notes. Um, and it's really hard to explain, but there, there are just some scenes in there that, that you will not forget forever and the rest of your life. Uh, you, you'll never forget the auditor, the auditor of the year award. You'll never forget that. And, and <laughs> like, you're going to, you're going to go watch this movie. If you watch this movie after you listen to this podcast and you're going to think auditor of the year, auditor of the year, that doesn't make any, that, why, why is that funny? When you see the movie, you'll understand what I mean. Uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis was just, <laughs> like I said, she was she was so great in this movie. This is such a weird movie, it, and it worked in every aspect of it. I never felt lost. I never felt out of place. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep watching this to see how they were going to close it. And they closed it. Boy, they closed it. And it was such a strong finish. From start to finish, this movie was fantastic. Um, everywhere everything all at once check it out the best movie of 2022 i don't like the oscars but if this movie ain't nominated for something if michelle yo don't get nominated for something i'm gonna be upset kind of like i was upset when delroy lindo didn't get nominated for the five bloods um it, it great movie like this movie needs to be nominated for any and every award visual effects special effects uh, screenplay, best picture, best actress, best actor, best supporting actress. Great movie. Phenomenal movie. Uh, go check it out. Everywhere, everything, all at once. The best movie of 2022. Yep, I said it. So now what I'm going to do, we're going to we're going to digress. Um I'm going to go check out Sonic 2 tomorrow. So I will next week, which is kind of a, a dry week. Um, there's another movie on Amazon Prime that just dropped today that I'm going to check out tomorrow as well. All the Old Knives with Chris Pine and gorgeous Thandi Newton. Um, I'm going to check that one out tomorrow, and, I, and I, that'll be on next week pod. Um, uh, you know, I, I've been reading some... <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Hate My Boy Terrell. Uh, he's been posting the Jaralito memes. Uh, it's time for me to spoil Morbius um, because 
you're probably never going to want to watch this movie. Um, so Sony, let's talk about Sony and Marvel really quick before I jump into my top five Michael Bay movies of all time, uh, which will close out this episode. I haven't done a list uh, in, a, in a minute, so I want to do a list this week. So Michael Bay, because Ambulance is so great, I'm going to throw up a little Michael Bay uh, uh, top top 10, top five. I don't even know if I could list 10 Michael Bay movies, but I'm going to try. Um, but let's talk about Morbius and why it's so bad for movies right now. Um, what Sony was trying to do, what they've been trying to do ever since The Amazing Spider-Man was put together a Sony uh, spider universe. Um, they had gave it some wacky name a few years ago. And then when The Amazing Spider-Man 2 tanked in the theater and nobody wanted to see it anymore, um, that got scrapped. Like, uh, you know, there were too many villains in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And the villains were very underwhelming. Uh, you know, you had the Rhino, uh, Electro, Jamie Foxx was the, one of the worst castings of a supervillain. And not because he was black, uh, because it was just a bad character uh, with a bad script. You know, the comb over, it, just, it was just, it was bad. You take all of the great things of Jamie Foxx and you just neuter him. And put him in this bad character with these bad one-liners, um, and they and they and they almost redeemed him uh, in the Amazing Spider-Man, but it was just a bad character. You know, it, it was just it was a bad take on Electro. Um, you know, and Electro's never been that big of a guy anyway, um, so it, it just it didn't work. Uh, but what Sony wanted to do is they wanted to build a Sinister Six, which, in in theory should really work because the Sinister Sticks, the Sinister Six is a great group of bad guys. You know, you got like Spider-Man has one of the best rogues gallery, uh, you know, on par with Batman, if not better. Norman Osborn, one of the greatest villains when done right. You know, Daredevil series did Kingpin right. Uh, had they had done Norman Osborn right, he could have been at that level of kingpin, and they and and Willem Dafoe could have done that, but they they just you know they didn't give him. If the, when they redid Amazing Spider-Man, they could have just made Norman Osborn Norman Osborn from the comics and be that guy playing the background, you know, uh, orchestrating all of it, and that could have really set off the Sinister Six. Um, you got the vulture. Um, you uh, you got um, Sandman. You know you got uh, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, Doc Ock. He's one of them. Uh, the Lizard. All of these great rogues, right? But you just put them in some crappy. Doc Ock uh, in Spider Man Two was the best villain, Spider-Man villain, hands down. They humanized him. They made him into a flawed human who made the best villain. Uh, when they did Spider-Man No Way Home, Green Goblin then became the best villain because William Dafoe bodied it. Like, William Dafoe bodied that. And then we come to Morbius. <coughs> we come to Morbius, and... What they were trying to do, they started with Venom. It doesn't really tie into Spider-Man at all. Spider-Man doesn't exist in his universe, uh, but 
Morbius exists in Venom's universe. Once again, you got to make this make sense, right? Uh, so Morbius, the bad guy, he's the living vampire. And no part of this movie is this guy any anywhere villainous other than the fact that he has he craves blood. Uh, he doesn't play a villain at all in this movie. And Venom, Venom doesn't play a, a, a you know a, a, a villain at all in this movie. In the comics, Venom uh, hate Flash. Uh, Flash Thompson was Venom, and he hated Spider. Or Eddie Brock was was pretty much like Flash Thompson in the comics. Uh, on the movie series, he hates uh, Peter Parker because Peter Parker cost him his job. Had they have just done that, they didn't even have to show Peter Parker. They could have just showed him losing his job and like, yo, I hate this kid. I'm going to get him, you know. Uh, and of course, Peter Parker is the one who was supposed to, you know, made all these Spider-Man uh, photos. And that's how he got famous. That's how he got money, because he was, you know, working for the Daily Bugle. And he took these pictures of Spider-Man and that's how he made his money. But he cost Eddie Brock his job. You tie that in, uh, no parts of Venom do they ever mention Spider-Man, and no parts of Morbius do they ever mention Spider-Man being part of his universe, and then that brings me to the post-credit scenes. Uh, once again, I'm spoiling the movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, this has been all over the internet. This is not new news. I'm not breaking anything, uh, but post-credit scenes, uh, you know, first, it's two post-credit scenes. First post-credit scene, you know, at the end of No Way Out, you saw the sky cracking open. Um, and at the end of Morbius, the sky, you see that sky cracking open over the Statue of Liberty. And out of nowhere, the vulture, Michael Michael Keaton, uh, appears in Morbius's universe. And everybody's like, yo, who is this guy? And how did he end up here? Um, and... He's like, oh, I think I'm gonna like it here, and that ends the first post-credit scene. And it didn't, and, and like it was a news scene, and they're like, well, because uh, he did no crimes on his universe, uh, we're they're gonna have to let him go. Make that make sense? It doesn't. It, it don't. Like it was a quick quip of a scene, and it didn't make sense. So then the credits roll, and then we get another mid-credit end scene, and. We see Michael Morbius driving this really fancy car and he drives to the middle of nowhere and he gets out of a car and then out of nowhere, the vulture with his vulture suit flies in and was like, hey, um, Morbius, we got a little, uh, we have a mutual enemy in Spider-Man and we should do something about it. And Morbius is like, oh, I feel intrigued. Okay, how? What did Spider-Man ever do to Morbius? <laughs> how did the vulture get his suit they at no point in time in any of the movies acknowledged the fact that were, there were any supers in their universe other than Venom so where does Spider-Man tie in uh, and the fact that they know Spider-Man like I mean they don't know Peter Parker Spider-Man because that would negate the curse like but the Vulture was in the MCU, but now he's not in the MCU. He's in the Sony movie universe. Um, but Spider-Man hasn't been established in the Sony universe. And that begged the question of what Spider-Man are they going after? And the Internet's going off, 
going wild saying they're going to go after a, a Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And God bless you if you guys just make a whole nother spider, uh, uh, amazing Spider-Man movie because of No Way Home, because it ain't going to work. I will tell you that now. Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Tom Holland became the Spider-Man after No Way Home. He's been the best Spider-Man. He has to remain the only Spider-Man because any other anything else is just not going to work. It just ain't. And, you know, now uh, they're saying this is leading up to the Sinister Six movie. And now that Craven's getting his own movie and Madam Web, who? Madam Web? Does in, do anybody listening to this podcast know who the hell Madam Web is? It's supposed to be playing. I think Dakota Johnson's playing Madam Web. Are you guys serious? Sony, what are y'all doing? What are you guys doing? Like, I don't know. And if you're going to do a Sinister Six uh, series, make the movies leading up to the Sinister Six movie good. After Morbius, I want to say this is all going to get canned because Morbius is getting roasted. Everything about the movie tanked. Jerry Leto's a joke. Like it this it was just terrible. Um, like if y'all if you guys keep up with this, you're just gonna be losing money. Like that means you don't care about making money because Craven is not gonna make money. It's gonna be a bad movie. And Craven could be a great movie, but like what are you making it about? Like what are you like making these anti hero movies, you gotta give them such a big edge. They have to get a Wolverine type cult following. Morbius was never going to get that. Venom is close to getting that, but the movies are so bad, they're just getting lambasted. Uh, you know, the Vulture, good villain. I enjoyed him in the first Spider Man, uh, uh, Far From Home, I think that was. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed him as a villain, but he can't save this series. He can't save Sony because Sony just makes bad movies. Uh, but that that's really all I got to say about that. Um, so we're going to move on from Morbius. But I just had to get off my chest. The nonsensical post-credit scenes of Morbius forcing this, this shared universe on us that nobody wants. Nobody cares about Morbius. Nobody's going to care about Madam Web. People people actually do look forward to Craven's Last Hunt. That that is a that is an iconic graphic novel series that's an iconic uh storyline from spider-man's world was craven last hunt iconic that stands up against a lot of other stories uh told uh in spider-man's world on comic book in comic books in general uh craven's last hunt um just an iconic spider-man story uh and that would have worked so well in a movie um but I think they're going away from that because Sony owns the rights to that character and they're going to ruin it. They're, they're really going to ruin it. Craven's Last Hunt without Spider-Man is not, is not a movie. Um, and it just doesn't work because nobody cares. Like, why, why do I care about Craven? Uh, you know, and, and the question could be, why did I care about Blade? Because Blade was a good movie. You know? Um, and, and, yeah. They're just ruining it. Uh, I really wish that Sony would, would figure this out and, and figure this is really what, especially after No Way Home. Craven's Last Hunt is, I mean, it's like a slam 
dunk after No Way Home with Spider-Man having no friends uh, and being hunted by the world's greatest hunter. Like you can't, you can't. Same thing with the Batman. You can't not do No Man's Land after after the Batman. You can't. It's a slam dunk. You you set that up. You, boy, it was like a set in volleyball, and you're just waiting for that spike to come. And they're about to ruin it, man. They're about to ruin it with this Craven movie. Um, hopefully they don't. But we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll say never say never when it comes to Marvel. Uh, because they have figured some crazy things out. They've made me enjoy the Moon Knight. It's a really good series. Um, but yeah, well, I'm about to I'm about to jump into my Michael Bay uh, top top five, top ten. Uh, we're gonna close the podcast out, but because Morbius got me upset. <laughs> so let's get into the top five because I can't do a top ten because I don't want to list any Transformer movies. Um, let's get into the top five Michael Bay movies of all time, and let's start out with number five. Number five, Pain and Gain, Mark Wahlberg, The Rock. A true story, Anthony Mackie about some weightlifting bodybuilders who become like drug lords slash like, uh, you know, drug kingpins, you know, uh, passing out pills and steroids in Miami in the 80s or 90s or whatever it was. The movie was so outlandish. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was, but it was so outlandish and so fun. It was a Michael Bay movie. That made the top five. Number four, The Rock. Not to be confused with Dwayne Johnson. It it was the movie that kickstarted Nick's Nick Cage's career into like overdrive. It was uh, you know, after that it became the summer of Nick Cage when he went and did Con Air and Face Off. But it, it all started with The Rock, and that was like the 90s action renaissance right there you had sean connery being this complete badass old guy who would escape from alcatraz and now you know uh, uh one of my favorite uh actors um oh man i just i just completely draw a blank i could see his face uh but yeah uh uh ed i want to say edward that's man that's so funny I can't even think of his name right now. But he played the main back. <laughs> I ain't the right. I swear I could see his face in my head. Uh, but I can't think of his name. Uh, but, man, he, he was a great movie. Uh, you know, ex-military guys take over Alcatraz. Has, like, the, the, you know, sarin gas or something like that. VX gas. And then they were going to gas San Francisco and infamously... You know, Nick Cage had to stab himself in the heart. And when I got into the army, I learned that you don't stab yourself in the heart with a with a nat kit. You you just jab yourself in the thigh. But I guess that's less dramatic. Uh, but great movie. Number four on the list. Number three, Ambulance. Just phenomenal Michael Bay movie. Uh, it, it hit all of the box. It checked all the boxes. It was funny, it was witty, it was action-packed, and it had heart. Uh, that made number three. Number two on the list is Bad Boys. Bad Boys one of my favorite movies of all time. I love. I can watch Bad Boys from beginning to end, any day of the week, no matter my mood. It's just a great cop film, great buddy cop film. You know, Will Smith at his height. 
uh, Martin Lawrence at his height. It had put two, you know, and that was actually, you know, part one was actually Martin Lawrence's vehicle because he was the hot guy and Will Smith was up and coming. And then, you know, part two gave Mike, Mike Lowry, uh, you know, a bigger part because at that point, Will Smith became the big box, box office star and Martin's star was fading, you know, in part two. And same thing with part three, uh, you know, Will Smith, big box box office guy, and they were happy to get him back for part three. Uh, and I hear part four is being uh, is being halted as of right now because of all of the issues that Will Smith is having or the main issue that Will Smith's having. Uh, but number one on my list, the quintessential Michael Bay movie, the greatest Michael Bay movie, one of the greatest movies ever made, Armageddon. The ultimate guy movie, Armageddon. I mean, it's the ultimate man movie. It's a bunch of oil drillers who get sent into space to save the world uh, from an impending asteroid hitting our planet and causing an extinction level event. Armageddon made me cry. I cry like a little baby in a movie theater when, uh, you know, uh, Steven Tyler Liv Tyler's uh, uh, Steven Tyler's daughter, Liv Tyler, is reaching out to that screen, trying to talk to, you know, Bruce Willis one more time because he sacrificed himself to make sure Ben Affleck made it back to his to his daughter and gave her a better life than he could ever give her. I cried. Everybody in my unit cried as we watched that scene. That is one of the most heart wrenching scenes. You know, right up there with them destroying New York with all the asteroids just hitting Grand Central Station and destroying everything in New York. It hurt seeing that, but it really hurt seeing Bruce Willis sacrifice himself uh, for the greater good of the planet. Um, You know, he just great movie. So funny. Uh, so out of left field that movie should not be as great as it was but it's the ultimate guy movie it is just a good action film uh, about some oil drillers who go into space to save our planet in a hundred years somebody's gonna like they really made this a movie like if we're still here hopefully uh you know, 100 years, they're going to look back. Armageddon's going to be in the Smithsonian. And they're going to be like, this is a true-to-life classic, kind of like the imitation of life or, <laughs> or Casablanca. But Armageddon is going gonna, is gonna to stand the test of time. And people are like, this is so stupid, but it's so entertaining. Steve Buscemi, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, you know, Will Patton, Ben Affleck. Bruce Willis, Liv Tyler. Oh, man, what a great movie. Michael Bay, like after that movie, Michael Bay should have retired, man, because you can't do no better. Uh, Great, great movie. Armageddon, Michael Bay's best movie. Ambulance, a great movie as well. Uh, It's a great, this is a fun, fun episode for me talking about movies that I love, talking about great movies. Um, and, and getting to gush over, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. Please go see that movie, man. If you, you know, I, I really don't care, you know, how many people listen to this pod, but I really wish a lot of people listen to it just so they can know how great this movie is. Um, and if somebody disputes that, if somebody goes and sees them like this is trash, please let me know. 
I love I love to to you know learn uh, you know your mu- movie taste because if you think this movie is bad, then you don't really like movies. You want to be entertained by mindless drub, uh, and that wasn't that great movie. Next week we're gonna I'm gonna review Sonic the Hedgehog two, and we're inching closer to Doctor Strange. I saw a new preview for Doctor Strange, and it looks fantastic. Speaking of previews, a Bullet Train coming out in June. I saw the previews for that with Brad Pitt. That looks fantastic. That looks like that's gonna be a good time. Uh, Brad Pitt stepping into that, you know, finally, you know, stepping into those comedic roles that he can be really good at. Um, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith realm of action, humor, comedy. It look that looks really good. Um, there, there is a another uh, Top Gun Maverick. I saw a new preview for that, and that is in the new preview. Put it in a different stratosphere. I've never been a big Top Gun fan. I thought it was serviceable. I thought it was an okay, you know, movie. It was an '80s movie, but now this one looks really good. Like uh, the last preview for Top Gun Maverick makes it look. So this movie has been in. You know, production hell for the last two years <laughs> keeps getting pushed back. Uh, and, and, you know, Iceman returns. Uh, it just it's going to be a good time. I'm, I'm looking forward to that movie. But Doctor Strange, I think that's really the next big movie coming out this year. Um, and hopefully we get some more nuggets, you know, like everything everywhere all at once where, you know, you just get to just watch a good movie. You know, it doesn't need a big IP. It doesn't need, you know, to be a comic movie. It doesn't need to have a huge director or anything like that or a huge, you know, box office draw. It just needs to be a good script, some good people making a good movie. And that's what they did with that movie. But Doctor Strange, uh, you know, Multiverse of Madness, that's going to be fantastic. Can't wait for that to come out. And on that note, Episode 17 is in the books. Thank you for listening. Can't wait to do it again. This was really therapeutic and fun for me. Uh, and hopefully I could keep bringing these, uh, you know, bringing this content to you. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. See y'all next week.